0: Ladies
1: and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question, are you ready
0: for coach hiring and firing season? I am. It's here, Joey, and we got the first one already unlocked. On
1: we did. We didn't have to wait till Christmas or the holidays or nothing. We got we got this thing started early. Uh, we got first of all, we're going to recap these week eleven games here, and uh, it seems like the place we should probably start was on Friday night. Uh, and as we are kind of referring to here, number nineteen Syracuse fifty four, Louisville twenty one. Uh, this game was not competitive, really, in any way, shape, or form after like the middle of the first quarter. Obviously, the big uh, big storyline here is that on Sunday, we found out Bobby Petrino has been officially relieved of his duties as Louisville's head coach. $14 million later, he is being bought out. Um, also of note in that whole thing is that not only is Petrino fired, but his uh, his son and his son-in-law, who are also on the staff, were also fired. Um, the AD just taking care of cleaning house of anyone associated with the Petrino family. And it seems like Syracuse is the ones that get the last laugh. They've gotten drubbed by Louisville the last four years, and they just uh, they saw an, an opportunity to uh, get some revenge here, and they took it, and it ultimately cost Bobby Petrino his job.
0: Yeah. Uh, Louisville's really bad at football still. Yeah,
1: yeah. they haven't been good.
0: Now, uh, another week, another blowout, and this one was a little bit better than the Clemson blowout from you know a week and a half ago. Uh, mm-hmm. A little bit better. Not much better though, and uh, what cracked me up was in the press conference how Bobby Petrino, you know, talked about how he liked how the kids responded. Right, <laughs> you yeah. uh, know, you know they responded well. He thought after getting drugged by Clemson, yeah, I thought so too. They they responded well. They gave up fifty four points. There that's were good. still eleven players on the
1: field on most plays,
0: right? So, which is good. That's I that's better than they did last week, right? So <laughs> seems that way. Yeah. Uh, Well, they didn't give up 77, so they didn't allow their opponent to cover the spread, you know, like in the second quarter or hit the over by two touchdowns by themselves or something like that. So that's an accomplishment. And uh, like you said, true family affair. They all got fired together, which is nice. Uh, One guy who didn't get fired, who's still on the staff, Joey. Our boy, ironically, our boy, Brian Van Gorder.
1: Although, interestingly enough, not the interim head coach
0: uh that would have been a lot of fun though oh yes that would have been a lot of fun um you and I would have had a field day with that one
1: mm-hmm yeah we'll have to settle for Lorenzo Ward here um who was on the staff and I mean look so first of all let's let's say this about Syracuse Syracuse played a really good game here uh they they ran for a measly 326 yards on the ground on 55 carries five touchdowns there were some very clear moments that Louisville, just didn't care. I saw, I saw a graphic today of, uh, an extra point by Syracuse where one of Louisville's defensive linemen didn't even like lean on the Syracuse blocker. He just sort of leaned up and stood up. And I mean, it was embarrassing. Um, Louisville, a team that very clearly had quit over the last several weeks. Um, just no effort in a lot of cases. And, um, just seemed like it was very quickly uh, becoming like a a bit of a maybe a toxic locker room kind of thing all sorts of chatter about all sorts of players trying to transfer you've already had your third string quarterback announce a transfer there was more news about 20 plus players requesting transfer forms at least to get that paperwork process started i mean the whole thing was an absolute tire fire billion dollars it takes to buy out Bobby Petrino and his staff and the question now becomes who they go and get a lot of obvious speculation and what we've talked about on this program is Jeff Brom and there's been some questions on here as we record Monday evening that uh he's been asked directly in press conferences and he's not getting yet giving anyone a straight answer and why would he he's still got multiple games on the, on the slate as Purdue's head coach and they're you know looking to be bowl eligible and this kind of thing but I mean Yeah, it is what it is. Louisville, uh, this season goes down as an infamous one, and they're going to be moving on from Petrino, and it kind of stands to be seen if they can afford Jeff Brom and his staff and what they're going to try to bring in, or if Jeff Brom wants to be a part of this program, um, if this is the right time and avenue for him. Um, And if it is, this will probably end up working out for him, but if not, uh, I don't don't really know where Louisville goes from here, to be quite honest. I, I don't know a
0: lot of guys that are looking to jump into this situation at this point. It's Jeff Brom or bust for Louisville, and I think Jeff Brom is the right guy for the job. I do. Um, first of all, he's done a nice job at Purdue. Second of all, he's obviously played at Louisville. Uh, we talked to Ethan more about this in the preseason, kind of tongue in cheek, like, "Okay, well, say this season goes to shit," and we kind of joked about it at the time. But hey, what do you know? This season is actually worse than I think any of us predicted. Now. Granted, Ethan Moore thought they'd get to bowl eligibility. You and I were talked into saying, okay, well, maybe they'll win five or six games. Joe, you were the closest one, though. You said, I don't see how they make a bowl game. And you said that throughout the offseason. Um I don't know if you thought it would be quite as bad as it is right now. I'm not sure anybody thought that, and you're shaking your head, no,
1: not even close, no. <laughs> not
0: even, not even close. Uh, this is about as bad as it gets, and I, I do think that Jeff Brom will ultimately be hired as Louisville's head coach. I think it makes way too much sense uh, for for him to uh, for him to you know end up being. Uh, the head coach I mean I I don't see any other real scenario playing out but let's say that he decides that you know what I'm going to stay at Purdue I don't want to go into that tire fire as we've called it I don't know where they go from here is it going to be a young coordinator who's just trying to get his first power five job like who is it going to be I don't see an established head coach at another major program or even a group of five school saying you know what let's go to Louisville let's Let's become the next Louisville head coach. Let's bring the entire staff there and try to figure things out. And one of the toughest divisions in college football most years, I don't see that happening. Uh, It'll be really interesting to see where they go from here, especially if they're unable to get Jeff Braun. But all signs certainly point that direction, uh, at least at the outset here. And We'll have to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, I, and and one of the things I was thinking about though today, Mike, is and and for those who who listen to uh, podcast ain't played nobody, you're familiar with the concept of Saban or the thought that I had today, and and, and I'll give you the, the the kind of the the real meaning behind it in a second, but the kind of concept of you know Saban national titles he has left, how many more national titles is Sabin going to win before he retires? A versus B. How many years it would take Nick Saban to take this Louisville program to a college football playoff berth? And the reason I say that, not because there's any chance in hell that Louisville is going to go to the you know go hire Nick Saban and go to the playoffs or anything like that, but more, I guess, to entertain the idea of how far is Louisville away from being once again a pretty competitive and dangerous program? And my argument would be, honestly, not that far. They've got you know some decent amount of talent on the roster already. We would probably agree that they're probably average talent-wise in the ACC. And not to mention that Louisville and, and all that they've built up over the last 10 to 15 to 20 years as an athletic department, they've got a lot of resources and infrastructure and all that in place to where I don't think it's going to be that hard to sell that to an incoming coach and say, here's a lot of stuff you can build around and you can pretty quickly put together a really competitive program that that's kind of the, the idea in my mind is that I don't think they're, they're they're that far I just think that maybe Bobby Petrino and his staff got a little bit um, caught you know napping at the napping at the wheel maybe didn't do the best recruiting the last couple of years and then kind of this toxic culture took over and, and the whole thing fell apart you know immediately I think you get the right coaching staff in there give it two or three years and may, who knows maybe you're talking about at least competing for the division title I, I don't think this is a, a massive, rebuild burn it all down you know restart effort i think there's there's quite a bit already in place you can already build off of
0: i obviously two years ago they were like two plays away a yard and a half away from beating clemson clemson won the national championship right Um, last year i'd argue that their team was not very good and a lot of the ills with the roster were covered up by lamar jackson this year They do have talent. They have a lot of young guys on the roster who are trying to find their footing. It's the same sort of situation as last year. A lot of the young guys are still young, and they're still trying to figure things out. But now you don't have Lamar Jackson, who probably didn't get as much credit as he deserved, albeit he won the Heisman Trophy a couple years back. But he could have easily won the thing again last year uh, when push comes to shove. Of course, Baker Mayfield was more than deserving. Uh, point being that you remove in you know a historic player, a, a generational type talent at quarterback, and a guy who's hiding a lot of the problems with your program, and you now enter in a guy in Jawan Pass who, while talented, four-star talent out of high school, the the kid has talent, was not nearly as ready as a lot of people thought that he was. So what do you end up with? You end up with Louisville quarterbacks being shuffled in and out throughout the year. Uh, you have a defense that hasn't performed nearly enough to nearly uh, up as up to par as a lot of people expected them to, and you have a coaching staff also that you know certainly has not gotten the guys as ready as they probably should have. So. All of those combined lead to a down year, and not only has it been a down year for Louisville, it's been a worse year than a lot of people expected it to be. Uh, Petrino gets fired. They need a new change of pace uh, with the coaching staff, and I I do think if Jeff Brom ends up being the guy, I I do think that he'll be able to, at the very least, unite the fan base, and I think that's going to be a very important thing at least at the outset uh, when looking at a new head coach, they need to have somebody who's going to unite the fan base, get get this thing going back in the right direction, because not only have the players quit on the program, but the fans have quit on it too. And when the fans quit on it, the boosters quit on it, you have money going out the door, and it's no longer beneficial to anybody. And you have a situation that might be even worse on the surface than it appears.
1: Yeah, definitely a, a, not a great situation here for Louisville, uh, if they can get Jeff Graham, I mean, like we've said, maybe maybe it is a quick turnaround. If not, who knows how far down your list you got to go before you can entice someone? Um, we'll have to see. One more thing I wanted to bring up with this game, Mike. About seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Do you know what happened in this game? What happened, Joey? This game got pushed from ESPN two to ESPN News. <laughs> <laughs> what they, they were starting up? They were starting up the Fresno State Boise State game, and that was a bigger deal at that point than watching Syracuse kick the crap out of Louisville. So uh, go ACC to that. But uh, to wrap this up, Syracuse 54, Louisville 21, Bobby Petrino fired. We'll see where the Cardinals go from here. Uh, hopefully they get it right, because if not, this thing could spiral out of control for several years, if if not.
0: It's going to be bad, Joey.
1: <laughs> hopefully not. Let's move on, Mike. Number two, Clemson 27. Number 22, Boston College 7. We got our second push of the year for what that's worth. We, we both had Clemson minus 20. That's exactly what they won by. So we get our money back on that. Uh, so that's fun. Other than that, Mike, Boston college had a lead for a minute in this game, believe it or not. Um, shout out out punt return. Yeah, that was good. Boston college scores seven points and it happens on a punt return by a dude wearing a hoodie under his pads. Um, yeah, this game was kind of built up by College Game Day and such to be a really competitive, dangerous game for Clemson. You know, it was cold and windy, and, you know, that's why Desmond uh, Desmond Howard thought that this was going to be a, a win for Boston College, people picking the Eagles to win and all this stuff, and they come out, and they just get absolutely friggin' flattened by Clemson here. Um, Anthony Brown goes out early in the game with an injury. And it was all downhill from there. The Eagles had no answer for Clemson's defense and the Tigers wrap up the Atlantic division and appear poised to probably just go back to the college football playoff for the fourth straight year here, Mike.
0: Yeah. I was listening to a solid verbals recap. Um, They they called it kind of a clunker for Clemson. I really couldn't disagree with that more. (laughs) Um, I, I get that the offense like had some trouble scoring there for a little bit against a pretty good Boston college defense, but like, Boston College had no prayer in this football game. Congratulations on taking the lead off of a punt return from a guy in the hoodie. Go ACC to that. Uh, But outside of that, like Boston College's offense for a while in this game, the question wasn't whether or not they could score. It was whether or not they would even get to 100 yards. And Mm -hmm. that, I mean, A.J. Dillon couldn't eclipse the 40-yard mark. Uh, as a team, they had 113 total yards of offense. Anthony Brown left early. I, I personally don't think it matters who played quarterback in this game. I don't think they were moving the ball on Clemson. Uh, Joey, Clemson's first string defense has not allowed a touchdown since September.
1: <sighs> Holy cow!
0: So how do you like that stat?
1: It's impressive. I yeah. Some of me wonders how much that's Clemson being really good versus other teams being not that good, but. I mean, either way, that's that's impressive.
0: Yeah, so it's it's probably a combination of both, somewhere in the middle. Um, the ACC is not very good this year, so that's a, that's a major part of it. Um, one team that was, of course, able to score on Clemson was Texas A and um, I, I wonder if it was back to that game that we have to, that we have to find a touchdown scored on this first string defense. But anyway, uh, Clemson's front seven, as advertised, really good. Boston College couldn't move the ball in this game at all. Um, Clemson's offense had trouble scoring at times, but then they kind of figured it out and grinded it out, and they won by three touchdowns on the road. In a relatively tough environment in Chestnut Hill.
1: I mean, here's the thing is Clemson had 424 yards of offense and came in just short of six yards per play. So if that's a clunker and struggling to move the ball, man, I can't wait to see what you're doing on just like average output. You know, I I mean, yeah, this is a game that – it, it never felt like it was really in jeopardy. Um, yes. Boston college goes up seven to three early on Clemson. But like you said, Mike, I mean, this, this almost became more like a, a question of could Boston college get to a hundred yards? Then could they actually pose a threat, you know, by again, late in the first quarter, Boston college ends the game three of 16 on third down. Whoops. Like, yeah. Like you, you, I mean, that's not going to win you any game ever. Um, and, and, like we said, I mean, they they were doing it without Anthony Brown, and that never helps to have to replace your your starting quarterback. But I'm not sure that even with him, anything was really going to work. I mean, Brown and his his three passing attempts, they he completed two of them for six yards. Like, I mean, even when he was in the game, it, it's not like they were going to be moving the ball a whole lot better than than they did the rest of the game. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, another dominant effort from Clemson. They they look poised to go back to the college football playoff. You mentioned how just. Absurdly dominant the defense has been. Um, I believe Georgia Tech and Syracuse both scored on this uh first string defense. But yeah, Syracuse was September 30th, so it's been literally like a month and a half since they've given up a touchdown on the first string defense, which is bizarre. Um Clemson just on another level from the entire rest of the conference right now.
0: I think it's fair to say. Uh it's it's them and everybody else. And I'd argue it's them and like 50 layers of crap. And then everybody else. I mean, it's it's really not even close. And Boston College might be the second best team in the ACC. We've been playing this game the last couple of weeks on the podcast. We're trying to figure out who's the second best team in the conference. Maybe it's Syracuse. May, you know, maybe it's B.C. I I don't know. Uh, regardless, um, if Clemson played Syracuse now, uh, granted, Syracuse has played well the last few weeks. If they played Syracuse now, I, I don't think it's as close as it was on September 30th in Death Valley. I think Clemson's offense is too good, and I think Clemson's defense is also too good. Um, it's, it's Clemson and everybody else, and I think it's pretty clearly the case at this point.
1: Clemson's defense, by the way, has given up 43 points in their last five games combined. They're averaging not quite nine points per game allowed. That is, that is salty, Mike. It's salty. Seems, seems good. And the highest point total of any opponent they played that time? That would be my Louisville Cardinals. They scored 16 points on them, mostly in garbage time. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at with Clemson right now. So I think we've said all we need to say about that. Uh, hopefully Anthony Brown is, is okay. I haven't heard anything yet. Mike, have you heard anything on
0: his status? Have not. Uh, but, again, we're recording this Monday night, a little bit early in the week. And Steve Adazio is known for not telling us anything really about injuries. So.
1: Seeing a report here with a quick Google that he is uh, looking like he's day-to-day with an abdominal injury. I'm not sure what kind of abdominal injuries make you day-to-day. Usually they're a lot more severe than that, I would imagine. But uh, what do I know? I'm not a doctor. Clemson, 27, Boston College, 7. Let's move on, Mike. Wake Forest, 27, number 21, NC State, 23. How in the blue hell did NC State find a way to lose this game this feels like a game that the Wolfpack just took way too casually, and they just felt like they were never really being threatened. And next thing you know, they're giving up the game-winning touchdown to the Deeks late. I mean, this is a game that by all means they had in hand and they should have won, and they, they kind of snatched
0: defeat from the jaws of victory. It seems like Wake Forest is still playing hard for Dave Clawson, Like it we've sure said does. for multiple weeks, it's like, well, they're not as talented as they have been, and they seem like they're pretty young, but hey, they're playing hard. Mm-hmm. and. Boy, oh, boy, they are one win away from bowl eligibility, Joey. Yes, they are. Yes, they
1: are. Um, Yeah, so NC State, the biggest thing that happened in this game was that they, for the life of them, could not finish drives. I mean, they were continually kicking field goals, and uh, late in the game, they had two turnovers on downs um, in, in spots where they could have scored to ice the game, basically. Uh, they had a turnover on downs with about nine minutes left at the Wake Forest 39-yard line, just kind of on the edge of field goal range. Wake Forest comes back and scores a touchdown to make it a three-point game, and from there, NC State goes 10 plays, 54 yards, turns it over on downs again, this time at the Wake Forest 20-yard line. With just a three-point lead, they they elected not to kick the field goal and instead decided to try to score a touchdown. Probably ended up being a, uh, a an important thing because – Wake comes back and scores a touchdown with about 30 seconds left. and NC State, if they had kicked a field goal and it's only a one point game, you can probably work yourself back into field goal range and, and maybe yeah. get a shot to win but instead they settle for a, uh, a Hail Mary at the end that's intercepted and Wake Forest kind of steals this one in Raleigh. Um, NC State led the entire game up until that point and it just you know this is a this is a disappointing loss if you're Dave Doran and, and, and NC State. If I'm a fan, I am really questioning some of the uh, some of the coaching and the tactics that went into this one.
0: I, w- I would agree with that. And just when we thought NC State was gonna go to a new year six. Whoops.
1: Oops. Yeah, we <laughs> we got all excited and giddy and talking about that and how it was just gonna happen. And all of a sudden, now you're six and three. And I mean, man, NC State, man, you kind of crapped the bet on this one.
0: And they could definitely still get to nine and three, but I mean, how empty is that nine and three now? Is it Mm -hmm. more or less empty than that ten and two that would take you to a New Year six to get shellacked by Fresno? Yeah, UCF.
1: Yeah, 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 not great, Uh, Mike. Two things we need to bring up. First of all, Wake Forest comes out in this game with their backup quarterback Sam Hartman out for the year. So Jamie Newman, the the uh, sophomore here out of Graham, North Carolina, comes in. He goes 22 of 33 for three touchdowns, no picks, almost 300 yards through the air. He was awesome. Is he that good? Some, yeah, it's real good. He made some really good throws. It almost makes you wonder what they were doing with Sam Hartman all year because I don't know that Sam Hartman would have looked this good. Right. Uh, Jamie Newman looked great in this game. Uh, the Wake Forest defense also looked pretty good. They They held their own against, you know, what's – Typically been a pretty good <laughs> NC State offense. In particular, their rushing attack. NC State gets held to 47 yards on the ground on 27 carries. Uh, Wake Forest really showed up. But, Mike, more the, the most important thing I have about this game is I, I don't have any cool sound effects or anything, but we have a new segment here on the show. Mike, it's called the Dortch Report. We got to talk about Greg Dortch and what he did in this game because, once we, as I've said before, we don't talk enough about Greg Dortch. Correct. Uh, So Greg Dortch comes out of this game with six catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. He, again, is just slippery as all get out and hard to take down. Uh, Five kick returns for 39 yards as well. Four punt returns for a total of minus one yard. But don't let that fool you. Greg Dortch, really, really good. We look forward to bringing you another edition of the Dortch Report after next week's Wake Forest game.
0: He, and related news, he was somehow omitted from the semifinal list for the Blitnikoff Award going to the nation's best wide receiver, and I'm trying to figure out how that happened.
1: That's a crime.
0: That is a crime. I don't know how he was omitted from that list. He is one of the best receivers in the conference, which at this point, I understand, is not saying much. But mm-hmm. he is really good, and he was omitted from the list. And a lot of Wake, Wake fans are pretty pissed, and rightfully so.
1: Mm-hmm. They should be. Uh, by the way, Sage Surratt also had a huge game for Wake Forest uh, on, on the edge. Eight catches for 109 yards. Um, he was he was all over the place on the end of Jamie Newman passes. So
0: N- Name that Surratt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that Carolina Surratt. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah so really good win for Wake Forest. And don't look now, but they – might be able to backdoor their way into bowl eligibility here. We thought that that was uh you know, dead and gone kind of dream here, but now they're uh, games against Pittsburgh at home and Duke on the road. Uh, that Duke game fixes to be very, very interesting. Um, Duke's already bowl eligible, which is fine, but they've got Clemson next week. So depending on how they are coming out of that, Wake Forest has two chances here to get bowl eligible, which should be very, very interesting. So Go get it, Demon Deacons.
0: Joey, before we move on, we might be living in a world here in the next couple of weeks where Virginia, Syracuse, and Wake Forest are all bowl eligible. Meanwhile, Florida State and Virginia Tech might not be. How about that?
1: Man. And 2018 just continues to get weirder. I I, I feel like I say that every week, but it it only ever stays true. Um, Wow, that's a thought.
0: By the way, is Miami making a bowl game?
1: uh they might be we'll get there here in just a second um yeah let's move on here wake Forest 27 nc state 23 moving on number four in notre dame 42 florida state 13 this is another one from the department of games that just we kind of built up because we needed to build something up this week but ended up just not really ever being that close uh we ended up getting a, a little cameo appearance from brandon Wimbush in this game for notre dame Ian Book was announced out after the podcast was released for the you know the preview, and that really had me questioning my Notre Dame minus seventeen pick. But Brandon Wimbush comes in, not particularly great passing the ball, but that didn't stop Notre Dame from moving it. They hit, they had three hundred and sixty-five yards on the ground on fifty tries against what I thought was going to be a pretty formidable Florida State defense. But uh, it was not on this night. Florida State did not want any part of the cold up there in South Bend, and uh, Notre Dame rolls.
0: Florida State's defense uh, looks pretty good against ACC teams. Uh, Update, the ACC is really bad, and uh, Notre Dame is really not bad. And uh, Dexter Williams, Notre Dame's running back, 202 yards on the ground. uh, On senior day, set a career high. So thanks for playing, Florida State. I uh, don't have a whole lot to say about this other than it was an absolute blowout from start to finish. DeAndre Francois throws an interception on the first possession of the game. Notre Dame scores two plays later. Brandon Wimbush throws a touchdown pass. Uh, he had three touchdown passes in the game, and Dexter Williams ran all over the Florida State defense. And it was one of the few bets on the weekend that I lost, Joey. I bet two games on Friday night, one of which was Syracuse to beat Louisville by whatever the spread was a lot. I think it was 17. mm mm-hmm. um, They covered. Awesome. And then I picked Fresno State on Friday night. That didn't go quite as swimmingly as they got upset by Boise, which is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the only other game that I lost this weekend on the betting circuit was Notre Dame, Florida State under 49, which Notre Dame scored 42 by themselves. So that was that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame led this game, by the way, 32 to six at halftime. Um, and if you're wondering why that number sounds weird, that's because Notre Dame blocked a Florida state point after attempt and ran it back for a uh, two point conversion. So it was that kind of game for Florida state. Let's put it that way. Yep. Not good. Florida state is a mess. They've got two games left here, Mike, both at home. That's the good news, bad news. They're against Boston college in Florida. Um, You need to win one of those to even have any shred of hope that you might backdoor your way into a bowl at five and seven. I don't know which of those games you feel better about. Maybe it's Boston college coming off of a disappointing Clemson win with a banged up Anthony Brown. And you've got a a bit of a get back game from last year, but I mean, either that or against Florida who has had their moments of, of good and bad this year, but still a very capable team relative to what we've seen from Florida state. I don't, I think we are about to start having legitimate conversations about Florida State's 35-year bowl streak being broken.
0: Yep. And uh you mentioned them potentially backing into a bowl at five and seven. We know they're not getting in on APR. <laughs> Had to slide that shade, one in there. <laughs> shade. Had to slide that one in there. Yeah,
1: that's it's not looking good for the Knolls. Not looking good uh looked like i mean lee corso mentioned that on college game day they didn't think they were going to a bowl game look you could see like it visibly hurt him to say that but i mean it is what it is at this point yeah
0: sunshine scooter didn't like predicting that one no
1: he did not Uh, notre dame 42 florida state 13 let's move on my georgia tech yellow jackets 27 miami 21 cam hey cam so, hey shout out Cam Cam Underwood. Uh, yeah, I thought about tweeting him today. I haven't tweeted him yet, and I'm I'm very very tempted to, but I think I'm just going to leave that one alone. Um, Georgia Tech played a pretty good game here tonight. Um, I, I was really impressed. Really, I, I've given a lot of grief to Taquan Marshall this season, but he played a really good game Saturday night. Um, he had 24 carries for 92 yards and two touchdowns. He, more importantly, three for four passing for 73 yards and a touchdown. He, he had a couple of really good throws. He hit Brad Stewart on a, on a beautiful route that Stewart ran where he shook a Miami defender out of his shoes. Uh, he had a really clutch pass at the end of the game as they were trying to put the game on ice. Uh, hit Jalen Camp in some traffic that uh, got a key first down and, and moved him into Miami territory. Um, and, and he made a ton of really good reads in the option game. There weren't a whole lot of those head scratching, you know, what is he doing? Just hand the ball off kind of things. There were some, but there were not a ton. Um, and, and so I was impressed with how he played. Mike, the other guy I was really impressed with in this game, Nikosi Perry. Nikosi Perry looked really good. Um, he was really good throwing the ball, he was very elusive, had a few runs where Georgia tech basically had him dead to rights on a sack and he just sort of slips out. And next thing you know, he's, he's picking up a first down. Um, It was, that was really frustrating to watch, but he was really good. He was not getting a lot of help from his team. Um, Miami had some problems running the ball in a lot of cases on Georgia tech. And at least in terms of efficiency, they had a few long runs, but a lot of their stuff, they were struggling to get a whole lot of headway. So um, I was really impressed with Georgia tech in this game. I thought it was a good win. They, they, benefited from some turnover luck in certain places, but overall they had a certain game plan and they came in and executed it really well. And, and this is a really good win for Georgia tech and they get bowl eligible. I'm getting the money back on the ticket, Mike getting the money back at worst. And if, if you get a win here against Virginia or Georgia, you, I'm, I'm cashing it, baby. And I thought I was going, I thought I was done. I thought it was done.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Georgia tech's hitting their stride at the right time of year. They have been very good over the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami has not been and that continued and you know the weird thing about this is Miami probably played one of their best games in the last month and mm-hmm. they still weren't able to win um, really like their chances in Blacksburg on Saturday though Joey really like their chances of, of picking up that W that's eluded them here over the last month or so. Um, they've struggled. It's been no secret. Like you said, Nicozi Perry was not bad in this game. And uh, Mark Rick is going to be starting Nikosi Perry against Virginia Tech. And that seems like the right decision. And it seems like a decision they probably should have made all along. Granted, Nikosi Perry has not been great um, when he's been in. And I get it. Uh, the whole shuffling thing and looking over your shoulder probably hasn't helped him at all or done him any favors. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played great, but he did look good on Saturday. I think it's the right call to start him against Virginia Tech. Try to get him a little bit of confidence. Uh, but man, the Hurricanes are a mess, Joey. They really are, and defensively, this is a unit that's certainly taken a step back from a year ago. Makes me wonder if Manny Diaz is in this weird spot now, kind of like Larry Fedora, where it's been like, well, did you miss your opportunity to become a head coach? Like, did you miss that chance? Because you love Miami so much, but you want to be a head coach at some point, and that window of opportunity closes very quickly in college football, and I think we're really seeing that with Manny Diaz, especially considered the struggles that Miami's had, you know, throughout a lot of this year on defense, uh, the, the quarterback's gotten all the headlines for Miami, but their defense has certainly taken a step back as well.
1: Yeah, they, they really have. There was some really questionable coaching stuff in this game too, Mike. One of the things that happened, um, uh, about, uh, what was it? Um, uh, about five minutes left in the third quarter, um, uh, Miami has fourth and four in plus territory. They're at Georgia Tech's 47-yard line. They elected to punt the ball, and that's relevant because it ended up in this game that Miami only had the ball three times in the second half. That was the second one. They were down 27-14. You got fourth and relatively short in plus territory. I, I didn't really understand Mark Richt not going for it because after that, Georgia Tech goes eight plays, 44 yards punt that takes five minutes and 17 seconds off the clock. Miami then has to go 15 plays, 95 yards uh, for a touchdown, but 433 taken off the clock. Georgia Tech gets the ball back less than seven minutes left and bleeds the clock out and the game's over. Why did Miami punt that ball from plus territory? I don't really know. The way the game was going, it wasn't like they were going to have a lot of luck getting the ball back. Um, And so, yeah, just some weird decisions. There was some you know, nonsense drama about the players going up to the student section before the game, Miami players taunting the Georgia tech student section. Cute. Um, And then they lost. And then they lost, which is typical. Yeah. um, Really impressive effort here for Georgia tech. Always good to see them get the win. That's I I believe that's Mark Rick's first ever loss at Bobby Dodd stadium, which pains me more than, you know, Mike, but um, (laughs) yeah, really good effort from Georgia tech. Really good from Taquan Marshall. I was glad to see that. Um, if, if he isn't really uh, the go-to guy for the rest of the year, it's really nice to have at least that that kind of send-off for him. So, very cool. Uh, Georgia Tech, 27, Miami, 21. You don't
0: get to taunt if your team sucks.
1: Just rule it not Don't tell the U that. Or don't tell the U that.
0: More Virginia Tech's defense.
1: <laughs> Speaking of which, Mike, Pittsburgh, 52, Virginia Tech, 22. Goodness. Professional uh,
0: Professional segue.
1: Yeah, I. This game, Virginia Tech, like mostly kept this competitive. The score didn't really look all that competitive for a while, but I didn't feel like the game ever really got away from them. I mean they they scored, they scored a touchdown and went for two and got it uh, with you know maybe twelve minutes left in the third, or excuse me, a few minutes left in the third that made it a sixteen point game, two possession game, and that's where things just totally spiraled. Um, Pittsburgh scores touchdowns on their next three drives that took a total of 10 plays. Um, yeah, Virginia tech's defense is so beat up and so ineffective. And there's, there's a lot of problems with the Hokies right now.
0: Uh, this stat courtesy of Bill Coddly from SB nation, Virginia tech gave up 13.9 yards per play against Pittsburgh on Saturday. That is the most yards per play in a single game against an FBS opponent, dating back to 2005, Oof. of any FBS team. Yeah, man. So,
1: um, that put it this way: very Pittsburgh, good. Pittsburgh had 654 yards of offense on less than 50 offensive plays.
0: Yeah, and they had 425 yards at the half, and mm-hmm. I tweeted, you know, of course, you know, being a heel, <laughs> I I tweeted uh, Pittsburgh's on pace for 850 yards of offense. Lunch pail D, which got <laughs> got a lot of people got a lot of people in the fan base riled up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, don't give up. 425 yards and a half, and I won't tweet things like that um i'm a fan too you know like it pisses me off but i'm to the point now where look yeah they're young but they've had injuries all up and down the two deep great the defense is bad and this is bud foster's worst defense arguably in like 25 plus years he's been the defensive coordinator damn near 30 years actually i don't know Um, if that's arguable at this point i think that's just a fact yeah it, it may be arguable from a statistical standpoint i'm not entirely sure they had a bad defense in 2003 too and a lot of people are wondering like how does this compare and um i was younger then; i was 11 so let's let's not pretend like i was this ball of fire at 11 years old uh but this seems like it was worse right like it seems worse. Now, I don't know statistically whether or not the season is worse defensively, but if it's not, it's damn close. And this is certainly the worst defense that I remember in Blacksburg. And offensively, they're not very good either. And a lot of people are kind of turning the other way when it comes to the offense because the attention has been on the defense so often this year. But man, I mean, Ryan Willis has been pretty good at quarterback, but outside of that, like, Listen, guys, Tech has not been able to run the football since 2011. Seriously, like David Wilson is the last real running back they've had. I mean, Trayvon McMillan had a nice year, 2015-16. Like, he was okay. Um, Eclipsed 1,000 yards, was the first 1,000-yard rusher since David Wilson. Uh, But, you know, a lot of Tech fans who are listening will remember that Trayvon McMillan didn't even start out that year as the guy. It it really took until mid-October. Uh, for him to finally become the guy in the Virginia Tech offense. And now you look at Trayvon McMillan, of course, wasn't a fit with Fuente's offense, goes goes out to the uh, Pac-12, playing for Colorado, doing great things there, and becoming one of the best running backs in that conference. And we're sitting here looking at this running game right now, Stephen Peoples. I mean, he runs hard, good for him, but he can't get a lot going. Uh, he's a power back in a bad system. Deshaun McLeese has been hurt. Jalen Holston probably hasn't panned out as well as a lot of people had expected when he was recruited to come here. Uh, Terrius Wheatley, son of Tyrone Wheatley from Michigan. <laughs> a lot of people know that name. Uh, Terrius Wheatley really only runs the ball on jet sweeps, and they refuse to get him involved in the offense any other way. The passive game play calling is quite interesting. Ryan Willis, if he gets outside of the pocket, has an inability to make throws down the field or adequate decisions. So he has to be kept within the pocket in order for him to make the best decisions possible. So in other words, the offense is a mess. The offensive line hasn't been good all year and the defense is terrible and the coaching hasn't been any good. So now you have a team that's really looking like they're going to miss their first bowl game in two plus decades, because there's nothing I've seen out of this team the last month that makes me think they're going to a beat Miami this coming Saturday or B extend the streak against Virginia. That would be going on 15 years if they were to win this game on black Friday in about a week and a half. So that means Virginia tech misses a bowl game. What does that mean for the program moving forward? That's what a lot of people have been asking the last couple of days. And all I can say is you look at this thing moving forward and there are a lot of young guys who are going to have another year under their belt and are going to be another year, more experienced. And Virginia tech has a very soft schedule next season. With that being said, There is nothing that I've seen out of this team, out of this roster, and out of the guys who are coming in in the next recruiting class that makes me think that all of a sudden they're going to make a jump from four, five, six wins to like 10, despite the schedule. I just don't see it. This isn't a team that's going to like push Clemson next year or anything of that sort. Like a lot of people are, a lot of people had been saying before the year, it's like, okay, Virginia Tech might have a down year, but you know, watch out for them in 2019, 2020, they could be real good. I don't know about that. I think they will be better, Joey, but I don't think they're a team that's even close to competing with uh, the cream of the crop and the ACC who, you know, is really like Clemson. And then who else at this point will figure it out. I mean, Florida state, I guess is due to bounce back, but look, Virginia tech, they're in a bad place right now. It's a bad year. It happens. What really interests me is what this program looks like moving forward, and that and that's going to be something we're, we're going to have to continue to monitor here.
1: The thing that that gets me, Mike, and I, I won't pile on too much here, but the thing that gets me, and and we've kind of talked about, is that this is year three under Justin Fuente. Um, this is year two under Justin Fuente since you know you had a massive exodus of talent after that first year, 2016. They had Gerard Evans and Bucky Hodges and. I don't even remember all the names, but there was was a lot of offensive firepower there. Under Justin Fuente, S&P Plus offensive ranking, 2016, it was 51. 2017, it was 96. 2018, now it is 49. So technically, this is the best offense that he's had at Virginia Tech, which I have major questions about that. But more importantly, I guess it's at what point, I guess, do we – you see a guy who ran these great offenses at Memphis and TCU, when does that start to translate here? Um, I, I, would, I would have hoped, I guess, in year three, even replacing Josh Jackson. I mean, we said Ryan Francis has looked pretty good when he's been in the games. Like, at what point are they able to pick up the slack a little bit when the defense is kind of banged up and young? I, it, that's the part that kind of concerns me here, is that this, this offense has never really found its stride – especially now going on two full years, I, you know, last year they go nine and four, but that's largely thanks to a really stout defense. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not on the the fire Justin Fuente train, you know, as much as a, a rival fan base can be, but I, I do have questions, and, and I think I've mentioned these before about, you know, how, how much there is a, a long-term feasibility to him here at Virginia Tech, despite how much – a couple of years ago, we talked about how perfect of a fit this was for him with this program. It's bad. It's not good. Not good. Um, Mike, before we move on, um, I think there's something else that we need to talk about here. And I I need you to hear me out. Is Pitt good? Uh, I mean, are,
0: are they? I mean, are, they might be a little less bad than everybody else.
1: I don't I'm just annoyed because Pitt Pitt all of a sudden, we talked about before how they still struggled to score points. and then the last three games, they've scored 54, 23 and 52. But I watch these games, Mike, and I feel like when they keep scoring all these points, they scored all those points against Duke <laughs> because Duke's defense was like absolutely appalling at taking routes and tackling. And now Virginia Tech's defense just found themselves badly out of position in a lot of cases. Like maybe the offensive line is pulling it together for Pittsburgh, and and that's where they're kind of generating a lot of this rushing offense off of. But to some degree, I feel like it's luck, and it's just not a sustainable thing. Like when they go play Miami in two weeks, if Miami's charged up to play that game, which I don't see why they wouldn't be, that defense might – be able to really give Pitt a lot of problems in in the run game. I don't. I just don't know if this is a sustainable thing that they're doing.
0: Uh, Pitt is a poor man's Boston College. I'll give you that. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right? a good,
1: good comparison.
0: Right. So all of a sudden, you're really good at running the ball. You know what? They're like Boston College a year ago. That's who Pitt yeah. is. Pitt yeah. Pitt is like Boston College a year ago. Right. So hear me out. So last year, you had Anthony Brown for a little bit. Then he got hurt, right? And you had A.J. Dillon, and he was really good last year, and he was breaking out. Now you have two running backs, Darren Hall and Quadrigals, and both have been around a little while. Both pretty good. Um, breakaway speed. Breakaway speed. break breakaway, break they run fast. Um, they're really good at running back, right? And then you have Kenny Pickett, a quarterback, who is uh, not very good, but maybe he'll figure it out right? Um, And maybe that's where Anthony Brown was a year ago, like just starting to figure it out. Now, granted, I think Anthony Brown's better than Kenny Pickett, but, you know, Kenny Pickett can be the guy who's kind of figuring it out, like Anthony Brown slash Darius Wade slash whoever else Boston College threw in there last year when all hell broke loose at quarterback. Um, And now you have a defense that's not quite as good as Boston College's defense, but Pitt's defense has improved a little bit as the season's gone on. We talked about how bad the defense has been for Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. This year, the defense hasn't been great, but it's been improving. And now you're starting to wonder, okay, maybe they're a year away from being Boston College, where they're at 8, 9, trying to get to 10 wins at the very best, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, for, that's for a year from now, because we're not going to have any more clarity on the Coastal a year from now than we do right this second. We're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Pitt could be one of those teams next year that, you know, Claudio Allison, I believe he's a senior, so he'll be gone, but Darren Hall will still be there. Um, I, I think he's a year younger. Um, and, and Kenny Pickett will certainly be there. He's a junior and they still got a lot of young talent on defense. So he'll be taking the next step. So keep an eye on Pitt, Joey. That's all I'm going to say. Keep an eye on Pitt. I don't know how good they are this year, but they're starting to figure it out at the right time.
1: They definitely are. Um, by the way, Darren Hall and Quadri Allison, both seniors. So ah, oops. Whoops. they're not back next year. So that's not, not good.
0: Okay. Um, well, take that back. But that's well, but not I,
1: good. I actually really like your Boston College 2017 uh, comparison because that's what they were, right? Boston College was kind of a one-trick pony. They're going to turn it around. They, well, as soon as they figured out they could turn around and hand it off to A.J. Dillon 35 times a game, and that uh, more often than not was going to result in 40 points. I mean, that's what they did. And that drives me nuts because that's just so uncreative and boring. But if it it works, just keep doing it, I guess. But I I guess the thing that I kind of come back to is as much as the results are changing and they're somehow five and one in conference and all this stuff, I come back and their S&P Plus rank is 62. Like they're still barely in the top half of the country, right? And so that kind of, I think to some degree validates that I don't know how good they really legitimately are. They're also... I think they only won, what, one out-of-conference game, and that was against Albany. It was an FCS team. Yep. Um, they got drubbed by Penn State. They got drubbed by Central Florida, and they couldn't quite knock off Notre Dame when Notre Dame had a a, a bit of a clunker. I don't know. Pitt's 5-1 and one in conference, and they're going to win the Coastal and go to Charlotte, just as we all said that they would. But, I mean, I, I still don't know how good that makes them necessarily. But maybe I'm just a hater. I don't know, Mike.
0: Uh, they're going to get smoked by Clemson, but I don't know if that's a referendum on Pitt as much as it is a referendum really on the coastal division and how much better Clemson is than everybody in the coastal and and really everybody in the Atlantic as well.
1: Fun thought experiment would be if you, if you put together a uh, like an all-star team from all of the other 13 ACC teams, could they beat Clemson? Answer I think is probably, but I think Clemson has pretty clearly got a, a massive lead on the field. So, yeah, it's, it's more yep. a reference on Clemson and what they're doing relative to the rest of the conference, I think. Yep, I would agree. Um, all right, Pittsburgh 52, Virginia Tech 22. Let's move on. Duke 42, North Carolina 35. Mike, this game was a shootout until it, it, it kind of stopped. Um, this game was 28-28 to 28 in the middle of the second quarter. Um, these teams going up and down the field and, and it was 35 to 28 at halftime and the whole thing. And then there were a combined 14 points scored in the second half because I guess we just can never have a normal North Carolina Duke game. Right. Hope you had the over though. Mm hmm. 77 points. More than we're budgeted.
0: Yes. M- much more. Um, many more. A lot more. Whatever. Uh, more points than Several we're budgeted. Several more. Yeah. Yes. Um <laughs> Okay, let's talk about this game a little bit. Uh, Nathan Elliott didn't play too bad for North Carolina. Uh, Daniel Jones, look, he ran all over him. I I don't know what North Carolina was doing. This was classic Daniel Jones right here. This was. This is like Daniel Jones from his freshman year. We were like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. This
1: Mm -hmm. was like
0: running all over everybody, relatively efficient, throwing the football, like classic Daniel Jones mm-hmm yeah daniel Jones, uh, 31
1: of 54 for 361 three touchdowns one pick also 15 perfect. carries for 186 and one touchdown perfect man that's a game
0: that's almost 600 yards right by himself mm-hmm um yeah that's not bad Mm-mm. not bad um i had north carolina plus eight and a half let's let's do a little story here joey Mm-hmm. Uh Duke had the ball with a little over a minute to play, and they had it about fourth and seven at like the 35 yard line. Up by seven. Up by the winning margin. Up it was 42-35, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um Duke could have kicked a field goal. It would have been a long field goal, but they could have kicked a field goal, which of course if make, they make made it a two it, possession they would have, game. They would have covered. Um they decided to instead go for it pick up the first down, and run out the clock. Something that I was all for, right, on on fourth and seven, eight, nine, whatever it was. Um, Daniel Jones proceeded to throw an interception, and then North Carolina, it, it was a touchback after the interception, so I'm cheering in my house. And then North Carolina then proceeds to try to win the game. They threw a Hail Mary at the very end. Duke knocked it down as time expired. And North Carolina covered, so shout out to Tar Heels. But that was almost like the worst of beats.
1: Yeah, no kidding. That's hey, you benefited though, so that's good. I did. I did. It was good. Man, this first first half drive chart is a, is a whole thing. Oh, Starting boy. UNC gets the ball to start the game and from there we go. Touchdown, 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 punt, punt, miss field goal, touchdown, 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 miss field goal, punt, touchdown, end of half. That's a lot of possessions just the first half. And then the same game, those same two teams in the second half. Miss field goal, punt, fumble, punt, fumble, punt, touchdown, punt, 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 turnover on downs, punt, tur- touchdown, interception, end of game. Yep. Those two teams, that was the game those two teams played. <laughs> it was is- like t- two completely different games. I mean, how many, what is that, nine touchdowns in the first half and and then a bunch of punts and turnovers in the second half? Man, that's bizarre. Uh, this was a weird game. So, Duke finds himself at seven and three. Uh, they're three and three in conference, and North Carolina now one and eight. Fair to say though that they also have not quit, which is very impressive. I, I don't know how that happens. Um, they're going to win against Western Carolina next week, and then they've got a game against North Carolina State Thanksgiving weekend, which should be very interesting to watch as well. So,
0: I was watching the uh, ACC panic room that Lauren Brownlow does. With shout out Lauren uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Joe Ovies right mm-hmm. from. Um, you know, WRAL and the whole bit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in North Carolina. And they were talking about, okay, well, Larry Fedora, like they don't want to pay that buyout. Like they really don't. And the players are playing hard for Fedora. So like he, he, there's a better chance than not that Fedora keeps his job, which is something that maybe we hadn't talked about really at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the buyout. We said, okay, well, North Carolina probably doesn't want to pay that, but they, they will, if it gets bad enough. Um, but this is like different from a year ago, right? Like where North Carolina was really ravaged by injuries and they kind of just throw it out. And then you had the beginning of this year where Larry Fedora talked about CTE as like, you know, essentially the fall of man or something uh, at ACC at the ACC kickoff. And then you have this weird year where like North Carolina only has one win, but they're playing really hard for Fedora and they're still pretty young. And they got a really young quarterback in Cade Fortin, who's going to be pretty good, that's sitting behind Nathan Elliott right now, who's seen some action, played a lot against Virginia Tech, actually. Um, Pretty good player that has developed nicely behind Nathan Elliott. And you wonder if they give Fedora, like, one more year here. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm real curious. I'm real curious. So – all that being said, Lauren and Joe were like, okay, well, they'll give Fedora one more year, probably, unless he loses to Western Carolina. At which that point... Would be yeah. <laughs> I mean, but would you put it past him?
1: They found a way to lose to everybody else, including Eastern Carolina, and... I mean...
0: It could yeah, happen. It could. Now, ironically, they beat Pitt. Yeah. Which, I mean, that looks like a good win now, because Pitt's Going to win the coastal, it looks like um, until they don't, and um, that seems like a really good win. Too bad their only win.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a shame. It's a shame, Mike. All right, uh, Duke forty-two, North Carolina thirty-five. Last one, the hashtag twenty-five Virginia Cavaliers forty-five Liberty twenty-four. This game was not the uh, runaway blowout that we wanted it to be for a su- supposedly legitimately good Virginia team. Um, Liberty scores on their opening drive, takes a 7-0 lead. Virginia comes back and does some scoring of their own, but then so does Liberty. Virginia kicks a field goal going into halftime to go up 24-17. So they had a halftime lead of seven points in a game where they are favored by 23 and a half. Uh, They run back the opening kickoff for the second half for a touchdown to go up 31-17 and immediately give up another touchdown and Liberty midway through the third quarter is only down 31-24. Like that's not, that's not the kind of dominance or or, uh, feel good win you had for, for Virginia here. They did not just comfortably without a question, you know, leave no doubt taking care of business in this game. They win by three touchdowns. I'm mostly mad that they didn't cover, but I mean, at the end of the day, I, I guess maybe Virginia just trying not to show a whole lot here or something. But um, in in a bit of a comfortable win, you probably would have liked to see a little bit more from the Cavs.
0: Yeah, I agree. Liberty's pretty bad. hmm They're four and five uh, now. Yeah. Um, despite the record, they're pretty bad. Uh mm-hmm. You know, congratulations on being an FBS school. Congratulations on the four wins. But they are pretty bad. And they found a way to hang around. But it just felt like this entire game, UVA just continued to shoot themselves in the foot. And Liberty Mm -hmm. just found a way to just kind of hang around. Mm -hmm. And it was weird. Because even when it was a seven-point game on multiple occasions, like, I just kept checking on this game. And I'm like, because I'm not stupid enough to watch this game in its entirety. Come on now. Um, But, you know, you watch this game and you keep checking on it. And it's like, well, Liberty's down by seven. but Do they really have the horses? Um, No, they don't. Plot twist. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Virginia is uh, not good enough to be dominant against really bad teams, but they're good enough to beat them handily enough where you don't really question it if you're just looking at the box score. And I think that's kind of where we're at with Virginia right now, which is, hey, to their credit, like better than you can say about most of the Coastal.
1: Yeah, I (laughs) I don't know that we can make a whole lot of excuses for anybody in the Coastal at this point. Um, Not a whole lot of particularly good teams, but I mean, at the very least, yeah, Virginia's winning and that's, that's more than a lot of these teams can say. So um, good on them. They're seven and three now. They are, uh, they're seven and three, they're four and two in conference and games left on the road at Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. So this was senior day for Virginia. Um, In most years, that would be a really daunting stretch this year. Perhaps a little bit less so.
0: Uh, File their seven and three record and four and two record in the conference through eleven weeks. As didn't see that coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sign me up for that. Yep. Um, it is funny though. Again, we keep playing this game every week, Mike. And best win on the schedule, I think, is pretty obvious. Second best win is much less so. It even maybe it is obvious. Virginia's wins this year. Richmond, Ohio, Louisville, Miami, at Duke, North Carolina, Liberty. So put it, that, put it this way. They've only won once on the road this year. Um, best win pretty clearly against Miami, for what that's worth. Second best win probably against Duke on the road.
0: Is their best win against Miami, though? Like, is it? It might be at Duke. Maybe. Ta- now, talent-wise, their best win is against Miami. Oh, 100%. 100%. And that's not even a comparison. But, like, team-wise right now, at Duke. Yeah. And Duke beat Miami. Yeah. That's true. And I don't know. But talent-wise, like, I agree. I mean, Miami's got all the talent in the world and just can't put it together. Um, That was kind of a
1: nasty, like, Friday night game, too.
0: It, it was, and something that is kind of related because we're talking about, like, good wins that we didn't bring up when talking about Syracuse earlier is, like, Syracuse's best win. We had talked about it last week, probably against NC State, and then NC State went ahead and lost to then 4-5 and five Wake Forest, and that is still probably Syracuse's best win, and they find themselves in the top 15 in the college football playoff, so... um Notre Dame enters the game. We'll get into this in the preview. Notre Dame opens up as a nine-point favorite in that game this Saturday. I wonder how competitive Syracuse actually can be. Like, really good offense and all that, but makes you wonder. I don't know. But there are a lot of teams who, like, they're empty calorie victories this year, it feels like. It's like, okay, a a lot of teams have, like, six or seven wins in the ACC, but, like, how good are those records actually?
1: That's a point that we're making about the ACC, but I feel like you could also make about most of the country. Yeah, like, like we brought up the concept a, a couple weeks ago, I believe, of like how far down the top twenty-five do you have to go to get to a team that you're like, I'm not really sure how good they actually are. Go to like a number eleven Kentucky or something like that, and yep. you said you can start picking holes in the resumes of any team in the you know in the top of the playoff ranking because who's their best win? Oh, I don't know. Reason is there's only like six good teams. <laughs> Like, yep. no, even top 25 teams are not that good, you know, comparatively to those top six or eight teams, you know. And so at that point, nobody's got good wins and everybody's got a questionable resume. And we all start having identity crises. And it's it's just a really great time to be alive.
0: Well, and, and then you follow, you know, if you follow, um, you know, Bill Connolly and we t- talk about podcasting, play nobody like they would argue that three of the top 15 teams in the country are from the group of five. Like mm-hmm. Fresno state and, and no or Cause I don't know what the updated rankings are. Um, Fresno state, UCF and Utah state are all pretty good this year. And they would argue that those are three of the top 15 teams in the country, according to S and P plus. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're at this year. Like you said, like there are only really like six or seven really good teams. And then it's everybody else.
1: Fresno state's number nine in S and P plus right now. After that's- losing, by the way, after losing to Boise. Yeah, and I mean, that speaks to how dominant they've been over most everybody else they've played. Um, UCF finds themselves at number seven in S&P Plus. Like, these are some legitimately good teams. They're as consistent and dominant as, as any, and yet they're not really getting a whole lot of respect or a whole lot of looks and, you know, call it what you will. But again, it's kind of a year where there's a lot of very flawed teams. I think you're talking about very realistic scenarios where you have a couple of undefeated teams and you don't really have any legitimate one-loss teams. You just got a bunch of two-loss teams. You got to try to sort out from the Power Five. So, I don't know. Weird year for the ACC, but really just a weird year for the entire country. Um, strange year for for college football in general. Yep. Mike, we got a couple of awards we got to hand out, and then I got an email we want to get to here before we uh, get out of here. Uh, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award this week goes to our beloved Boston College Eagles. Their offense really made a lot of effort at moving the ball on the Clemson defense and God love them. They, they did surpass the hundred yard mark of total yardage, um, including garbage time and all of it. So good on you, Boston college. Um, you tried and uh, you, as well as
0: other teams before you have failed and that's okay. Failure is okay. They, it's all tried, about the like, money. they tried like hell. They really did. AJ mm-hmm. Dillon tried like hell. couldn't quite get mm-hmm. to 40 yards, but he really tried.
1: Yeah, uh, 16 carries. He he tried 16 times to get to 40 yards, uh, could not quite get there. So go ACC to that. Uh, Brian Van Gorder Memorial, you try to award to Boston College's offense this week. Dumpster fire of the week, Mike, staying uh, close to home in Blacksburg.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, the dumpster fire of the week goes to Virginia Tech defense. Um, more specifically, the running defense, which gave up nearly 500 yards on the ground. Um, not ideal. Let's put it that way. Not ideal. And yeah. uh, hasn't really been good the last few weeks, actually. Wasn't great against Boston College either. Um, was a little bit better, but still not great.
1: Same as Georgia Tech. Uh, not 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 good in that game either. Um, yeah, I texted you a, a screen grab I got of, a, of the long touchdown run, one of them by, I can't remember if it was Allison or Hall, but it was one of these where basically Virginia Tech's entire defense was not even in the box as much as just like on the line of scrimmage there wasn't even a second level for anybody to go block. Like Darren Hall got through the first level and then it was just gone. And that was it. And there's stuff like that. That's like, that's being out of place and, and coaching and all that. That's, that's where it goes from, you know, maybe you just got beat to, oof you're, you're kind of beating yourself on that one.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's just, so. ugh, it's rough. And there have been a lot of occasions like that this year where you can line up basically anybody you want in there. And it's just, you're not going to make the tackles, and it's painful. Yeah,
1: not great. Uh, go ACC moment of the week, Mike. Uh, this is going to go to Georgia Tech. Um, they had a, a, a kick, I think it was in the early in the third quarter in this game, a, a punt. They were trying to back Miami up into their own, uh, own side of the field. Uh, Presley Harvin has a beautiful kick that, that's going to go inside the Miami 20-yard line. Jeff Thomas back there to receive it and kind of overruns it and has to double back to try to catch it over his head. He doesn't catch it over his head. And in the scramble to pick up this muffed punt, uh, none other than Georgia Tech's returner, Wanye Thomas comes up and just gives him the most disrespectful, dismissive shove. And it is absolutely hysterical to watch. Just go watch the uh, the recap of this game, the highlights on YouTube. It is one of the most funny and probably unintentionally just hilarious and disrespectful things I've ever seen.
0: the stiff arm, baby. the stiff arm.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. So go ACC to Wanye Thomas for just dismissing the hell out of Jeff Thomas and in, in route to uh, picking up a muffed punt. That was glorious. Go dismiss that four-star recruit. Absolutely. Please do last thing mike uh we got an email from mr keith derrick uh who's becoming a a constant emailer he is trying to threaten for andrew parker's title of number one listener of the basketball commerce podcast so uh andrew you've been you've been served notice here you, you are officially on watch um keith writes in hey joey and mike now that we have teams getting to six or more wins can we get some bowl predictions from you Especially Georgia Tech, where will they end up after watching Miami last night? Will they make six win? Will they make six wins? They being Miami. The podcast is best when you guys are wrong with your predictions. This should help out. That's high praise,
0: Mike. We were wrong often, a lot. We're wrong a lot. Uh, We call ourselves experts, tongue in cheek, and that's why. where is Georgia Tech going bowling? Let's make a guess. You want to make a guess? We said we uh, wouldn't do this, but let's make a guess. Just
1: do it. Fine. Let me Hold on. Let me pull up the bowl tie-ins again. I was looking at this earlier today, and it reminds okay. me, your your annual reminder, Mike, that the ACC's bowl tie-ins, a steaming pile of garbage. Yeah, I agree. I
0: think Georgia Tech's going to the military bowl.
1: Military bowl. Okay. I've heard that one. Um, gosh, they're going to end up in, like, the Independence Bowl or something stupid. Um couldn't they be good enough down the stretch to make it to the Belk bowl? So that's the thing is that if they beat Virginia on Saturday, Georgia tech will be five and three in conference. um, and, And then they'll lose to Georgia and be seven and five overall, which I don't really know how we rank these things, but I think being five and three in conference might put them up in that tier tier one bowl range. Maybe let's see. Clemson going to the playoff. Um, And then after that, I don't know that anybody else is going to New Year's Six. No. Um, no. So we got to send somebody to the Camping World Bowl. So call that Boston College or Syracuse.
0: I I guess if Syracuse were to upset Notre Dame and then win their season finale against Boston College, I guess they would, in theory, be in play for a New Year's Six with two losses, right?
1: Yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know. Again, that to be fair, if you beat Notre Dame in Boston College, I feel a lot better about your your uh, two loss record than I do right now.
0: Strength strength of record, pretty good at that point.
1: Yeah, not bad. Um, so we'll put, but I'm not going to say they're going to do that. They're going to lose to Notre Dame, I think. Maybe, and, prob-
0: and I think they might lose to Boston College too. If we yeah. want to project out a little bit, I I like BC's team a lot. Um, anyway.
1: Okay, so Syracuse or Boston College in the Camping World Bowl. And then these Tier 1 Bowls, you've got the Belk Bowl, the Music City, or the TaxSlayer Bowl, otherwise known as the Gator Bowl, um, the Pinstripe Bowl, and the Sun Bowl. So you need four teams there. So that's the other of Syracuse and Boston College. I don't know if
0: that's Duke, if they qualify there, or who. Ooh, Duke's got the Pinstripe Bowl written all over them. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, yeah, they do.
1: By the way, did you see Notre Dame's helmets that they're going to wear against Syracuse? No. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. I, I want to call the cops. Okay. wow, well, It's not okay.
0: Good. I'll grab a bucket.
1: <laughs> what the hell? Um, gosh. Okay, so currently bowl-eligible teams. Clemson, Syracuse, Boston College, NC State, Pittsburgh, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Duke. And I'm going to say Miami gets there. Wow. And... Uh I guess I'm going to say that Wake gets there. Okay, so we'll end up with 10 bowl eligible teams, which seems oh right. Oh my
0: god. 10 bowl eligible teams for the wor- for arguably the worst conference in the Power 5 this year.
1: I'm starting to question what the mathematical minimum is because I feel like we're we're starting to experience that. Um Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say like NC State probably gets to what the Sun Bowl We'll say Duke. At, currently, at seven and three. They'll get yeah. I like the Pinstripe Bowl. So yeah, Georgia Tech probably gets relegated down here to the additional
0: bowls. sup military bowl
1: selection order. Yeah, military bowl is the first selection. They're probably going there. Yeah. They probably won't end up with uh, walk-ons. The Independence Bowl in Shreveport. So
0: uh, Virginia Tech ended up there against Tulsa. It was a shootout.
1: Oof. Yeah, Georgia Tech lost to Air Force there in 2010. Ah if that tells you anything about where that program was at that point, Um, Josh Nesbitt had broken his arm at Virginia tech and the whole thing went downhill real fast. So look, Georgia tech beats Virginia. You maybe find your way into one of these tier one bowls. That's the Belk bowl, the music city or Gator bowl, the pinstripe bowl and the sun bowl. But I think other than that, you're probably banking on the military bowl in Annapolis, which isn't, I mean, that's not the worst thing. Washington DC kind of nice. you know it's cold
0: and windy and all that but watch watch what you say watch <laughs> you shut your whore mouth um by, by the way i i've actually been to a military bowl several times we have family friends that uh uh one of them's on the board for the military bowl so we, we've been there a good bit they have it at navy stadium which uh is a lot of fun because you end up playing navy a lot probably not this year because they're atrocious but um, you end up playing against Navy a lot. It ends up being like a freaking road game at a bowl game, which is a sight. Yeah. Uh, and it's like it holds like 40,000, but it gets pretty loud there. So, hey, what the hell, man? You get like Georgia Tech playing a military school in the bowl game. Shout out you Air Force. You think Paul Johnson knows his way around that stadium? Ah, uh, he may. He may. Only because he coached there for like, I don't know, 15 years. Yeah. Something like I think, that. Yeah. 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 I think he think he'd be okay there.
1: Yeah. Mike, we said we were just gonna brief like guess the number of bowl eligible teams. I think I'm gonna stick with ten here.
0: Oh I and mm.
1: I think Miami gets there. I think they're gonna get there, Mike. I have to. Right?
0: Right. I guess. I'll say that there are eight bowl eligible teams, and that might be on the low end, but I'll go with eight. (laughs) Say that again. I was going to say, you don't
1: feel a damn bit of good about them playing your Hokies next week in Blacksburg. And if Virginia Tech does win that game, we might be talking about a doomsday scenario where they're both, you know, Miami's five and six and needs a win, and they got, what, Boston College coming in? Or Pittsburgh, excuse me.
0: uh, They have Pitt coming in, and, uh, I mean, Pitt's obviously already bowl eligible. Miami will be playing for a – well, you know what? So Miami conference record-wise is where right now?
1: They're two and four.
0: Okay, so they're they're done. Um, the Coastal Division really is Pitt, and then opening the door for Georgia Tech potentially. Uh,
1: I believe Georgia Tech is out of it at this point. If Virginia Tech had beaten Pittsburgh and made them four and two, Georgia Tech definitely had a foreseeable path there. But at four and three, basically, if Pitt loses out and has three losses, they've got the the tiebreaker over Georgia Tech. Um, so has
0: has Pitt officially clinched?
1: No, because Virginia has two losses. Oh, so uh, yeah, if,
0: that's right. Good old Virginia. I forgot about Virginia.
1: Yeah, so if, if Virginia lose, wins out and Pitt loses out, um, Virginia will win the Coastal. Oh,
0: my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, no. hmm Oh, my God, the Virginia so stay Cavaliers. Tuned. Stay yeah. tuned. Yeah, Virginia's that team that everybody's forgetting about, as, uh, even me, myself, you know, <laughs> with an ACC football podcast, forgetting that they only have two losses in conference play right now. That is a scary thought, Joey. So you're, oof. wow. You think Pitt? You think Pitt will get rolled by Clemson? <laughs> oh, 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 as you like to say, Joey, shoe
1: buddy, shoe buddy,
0: Shoo buddy. Shoo buddy. Oolah.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, by the way, Pitt remaining games at Wake, at Miami. Tell them. Tell me they can't lose both of those games.
0: They absolutely can. Um, yeah. If you're a Virginia, if you're a Virginia fan. And congratulations uh, in this in this scenario. Congratulations on breaking the fourteen game losing streak against Virginia Tech. Um, cover your eyes next week, right? Mm-hmm. Like conference championship week. Congratulations, you're going to the ACC. Oh no, oops. Oh no. <laughs> oh boy. Oh God. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, maybe Virginia goes to a New Year six. Oh God. <laughs> Just kidding. They're going to get not, smoked by Clemson. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Yeah, that would be something. Sure. Can you imagine Virginia upsetting Clemson? That would be that would be peak ACC. Virginia upsets Clemson, and now Virginia is in a New Year's Six.
1: Yeah, that would be. Gosh, no thank you. <sighs> Mike, that's all I got. We need to get out of here. This has gone on for way too long. Good recap. It was a good recap. Um, yeah, week 11 – there was a lot of uh, a lot of shuffling going on here, and some uh, unexpected results. But yeah, good recap. Um, once again, Mike, you, your picks were really good this week. Um, you're you're on a heater here.
0: I'm on a heater. Uh, I didn't even really bet a lot of the ACC games this weekend. So uh, yeah, but hey, I'm on a heater. Your picks though five
1: two and one against the spread. I was three four and one against the spread. Uh, shout out Clemson on the push. I finished. Uh, I, I'm on the year now I am 38 39 and 2 you are 40 37 and 2 so um good on you good on you for that yeah good re- good recap here um we got week 12 coming up we are coming down the home stretch here we just got a couple more weeks as we try to uh, sort out again is is Pittsburgh or Virginia going to represent the coastal is getting just steamrolled by Clemson in Charlotte but um should be fun to come back and preview those games. Uh, in the meantime, Mike, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel CFB and together we're at BC podcast ACC. You can find us on iTunes, Google play SoundCloud, the overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Mike, they can send us an email with their questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address, no demand basketball, conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. And thank you to Mr. Keith Derrick for hitting us with an email. Uh, that was much appreciated. And that turned into a fun little segment. So if y'all have other stuff that comes up, other random thoughts that you have or anything, just let us know. We would love to uh, hear what you guys want us to talk about on the program. Uh, Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias.
0: Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Also uh, rate and review us on iTunes, Google play. Make sure you keep doing that.
1: Yeah. And the uh, DMS are open on Facebook too, by the way. So if uh, you got questions, hit us up there. That's that's just fine. That works. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out here? You want to come back and uh, preview week 12? yep got to we do we are uh we're committed at this point so
0: yeah we didn't we didn't come this far only to come this far
1: <laughs> that is true that's 100 accurate yep um yeah so we're going to come back re- and uh, preview those games and uh we will talk to you then but until next time for mr mike mcdaniel i'm joey weaver thank you guys so much for listening we'll talk to you again soon and until next time go acc